Before we start today's Beef Watch podcast, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for being a listener. During the month of November, the Nebraska Extension Beef Team is asking for your feedback on the podcast. What content has been most valuable to you? And what topics would you like to see discussed in the future? If you'd be willing to take a few minutes to fill out a brief survey, we'd really appreciate it. The survey can be found at beef.unl.edu, and it's located there at the top of the homepage. Thanks again for being willing to do that for us. We really appreciate your feedback, and we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the November issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Single Trait EPDs versus EPD Indexes versus Production Ratios. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by the author, Hannah Smith, who's a Nebraska Extension Beef Systems Educator. Thanks for joining me today, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Hannah, let's dive right into your article and start out with the first thing that you address, which is single trait EPDs. Let's talk a little bit about what an EPD is and then how might we use that in a selection process? Absolutely. So for EPDs, which are our expected progeny differences, what we're hoping to garner out of that information is something that pertains to that animal. So how do we get to that point in the first place? Well, you have to start with that that sire and that dam in the equation. And the way that our single trait EPDs are calculated is that they assume a 50% contribution from the sire and a 50% contribution from the dam. And so as we calculate that and you take that 50% and 50%, you get your 100% calf value of what you expect the performance of that animal to have depending on whatever trait we might be talking about. So like, obviously you've got your birth weight um, EPD that's gonna project what that animal's progeny is going to do or what influence he can have on what that progeny might do. And so you can think about birth weight is simple because it's just a simple measure in weight, or you can think about calving ease direct, which is more a, a measure of the calving ease that you're gonna have from that progeny or his, uh, his offspring. And so that calving ease direct is more a combination of how much dystocia has been seen in those bloodlines. Um, how often is calving been assisted? And that's all based on reports from the industry um, that you see from the seed stock guys and what they're giving in for that data. And so as all that's put together and weights are reported, we're able to really hone in what those expected progeny differences are going to be. And so we can utilize those different single trait EPDs. And I say single trait because they're really focusing on one aspect of performance. And you hope to be able to utilize that to bring in some different genetics into your herd. You're hoping to see those numbers. Think about where your herd is actually at. If you're able to kind of understand what you've selected for in the past, apply whether you want to increase or decrease something and then put that into your herd and get that progeny on the ground. Aaron, I don't know if you have anything to expand on that a little bit as far as just those single trade EPDs, or we can talk about some, some ways to use them more in depth if need be. So I think it's important to understand as you're thinking about a specific breed, uh, you can only compare certain breeds within themselves. There are some across breed EPDs where you can compare animals across breeds, but 
understanding when you're looking at an EPD, what's the value? And then I think also understanding what's that single trait selection EPD you're looking at, what's its value compared to breed average? And is that desirable or undesirable based on where your herd is at and your breeding objectives? Yeah. And and even more so than that, understanding what is that EPD measured in? And so um, knowing that weaning weight is reported in pure pounds of calf, but then looking at, say, your milk EPD, understanding that that is reported in expected additional pounds of calf at weaning, not necessarily uh, pounds of milk. And so making sure that you have all that in line from what are your breeding objectives, where are you comfortable with what your herd currently is measured at, or what have you selected for in the past, and what's the goal beyond that of increase, decrease, and and understanding, I think that, uh, Aaron, we've talked about this before, of the most is not always the best, and the least is not always the best. And so thinking about how we select for that in an economical fashion but also within the scope of what resources we have to pour into that animal as we expect its performance to be at, whether that be weaning, um, yearling weight, whether it's a finished weight, or even uh, looking at the maternal characteristics of those EPDs. I totally agree with you. And I think one of the things I really encourage people as they're thinking about looking at EPDs is thinking about what are your minimums, what are your maximums, and really starting to set some thresholds. And then also recognizing if you're going to purchase a, a bull at a bull sale, uh, what are the accuracies of those values and what a bull's true breeding value is usually changes some from what his expected progeny differences are. Of course, on highly proven sires, AI sires, we know very accurately what their that animal's true breeding value is. But when you're going to purchase a bull or even if you're buying replacement heifers and you're looking at EPDs, that's a the best estimate of that animal's actual breeding value, that animal's breeding value, we don't really know till we would actually have a lot of progeny on the ground, but it does give us an indication of the direction we think that animal is going to take us in terms of its um, genetic value to our herd. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. Like thinking about, you know, where you fall on your risk spectrum when it comes to to picking out those genetics, you know, if, if you're really, really striving and, and you've got the space to increase some risk, you know, that's where those maybe the opportunity to purchase a bull with lower accuracies comes into play. But if you're really truly, if it comes down to you're trying to narrow down some of that labor, you've got to guarantee your genetics. Maybe you're willing to pour a little bit more resources into that bull that's got those higher accuracies. Yeah, that's a great point thinking about where where your risk spectrum falls in terms of how what guarantee you want out of that bull is, is I guess, the best way I could put that. And the other thing that I've that, you know, that's coming up in our industry is some of the commercial EPD spectrums, because you mentioned, you know, you can't really compare across breeds. Um, you know, there's some things that you can kind of draw um, if you really get down into the the gears and the bolts of that, those different breeds. But there's some really cool commercial um, EPDs that are coming out that I think that um, could serve some really cool purposes and, and be a really great tool in different parts of the industry, too. So it'll be interesting to see where that takes it, too. But but yes, as far as the accuracies go, I think that that's a great point. Making sure that you understand, you know, that's on a on a decimal system. You're on a zero to one. The higher the accuracy uh, or the higher that decimal point, the higher the accuracy is going to be on that bull. The more you can guarantee what you expect for performance based on those EPDs. The other thing I really encourage people is as you're linking about single trait EPD selection, as I already mentioned, make sure that in picking an individual, 
You're also not using an individual that's going to take you a different direction than you want to go in another trait. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think it's 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 really easy to hone into those uh, weaning and yearling weight EPDs that are, you know, top 10 percentile of the breed. But but what is that going to do, for example, to like uh, an equivalent of a mature weight and height? You know, are you going to are you going to push your cows to where you're starting to see your cows in, you know, top 10, 5 percent of the breed to where they might be starting to exceed some of your resources? And so we start to impact our, our breed ups. And so because we selected just to get the highest weaning or yearling weight calf, doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to impact us on a maternal basis. We might be we might be struggling to make sure that the females, if we retain those, might still match our environment at the same time. Yeah, great point. Well, just as you said that, now we're starting to think about indexes, and maybe we can transition and begin to talk about EPD indexes, thinking about maternal traits, thinking about terminal traits, combining those into an index value. Share with us some things on how that works and, and how that might be a tool we might consider applying. Yeah. So on the indexes, when this is, uh, this is kind of the secret sauce, right? Um, that's kind of what I talk about in, in the article. And the thing about indexes is that they can be an incredible tool as long as you understand what's behind the tool. So an EPD index, its, its main function is that it is a formula of multiple EPDs that have different weights or coefficients to them. And then they create a value, typically a dollar value, that expresses an increased potential return from that offspring, et cetera. It's going to help us better plug and play a single selection number. So you think about those single trade EPDs, you're typically going to be ballparking between three, anywhere from three to eight to 10 different numbers to try and like get those all to line into each other. What these indexes allow you to do is really kind of simplify that opportunity. If, if the assumptions behind that index align with your breeding objectives, it's that simple. And I say that simple sarcastically because there's a lot to it and you've got to research that. Um, and so I've got some examples there in the article and I won't, I won't belabor through them just because they can get a little bit um, deeper. But, but for example, whenever you look at some of your dollar maternal um, for a very general uh, use of a, of a dollar index, what you're going to want to understand is the assumptions behind that, whatever maternal index that is. So um, what percentage of females are you planning to retain out of a calf herd? Um, what are the, what's the milk EPD look like? You know, how much weight is placed on milk? How much uh, weight is pl placed on maturity in the cow herd and their, their stability essentially? You know, it's all those factors put into one basket and returned in one number. Um, again, could be a huge tool to be able to simplify an EPD selection uh, parameter. But I think that uh, as long as you can understand, and, and it goes back, it, it really does. It goes back to what are your breeding objectives? Where are you now? And what are we striving for with this genetic selection? And so being able to use these while also understanding that there's a calculation behind them, we're placing different weights on different EPDs, and that we're going to be able to formulate some form of return from that combination of EPDs is the baseline of those EPD indexes. Yeah, I think the design of those indexes, really the purpose was how do we put some value to what we believe is the genetic merit or genetic value of an animal and actually put that into some dollars. That was the 
the framework or the design for these indexes. Yeah, absolutely. And and the dollar amount is huge because that's easy for everybody. That transfers against across breeds. It transfers across herds. It transfers across states. It's a really great way for us to think about that that progeny or that that genetic potential transferred across all scenarios. But that again, you have to keep that in mind that that's all scenarios. And so how how does that play in your herd? And so there there's some opportunities there for some translation as well. Let's go ahead and shift gears and talk about production ratios. These are a tool that's primarily used within herd to make selection decisions. Tell us a little more about those and where they have application. Yeah. So as you work through genetics, just like everything else, just like nutrition, just like uh, range management, just like marketing, it's got to start with a plan. And so I think that there's an opportunity for you to just like um, anything else, put different weight or prioritize different selection criteria. For me, production ratios would not be a primary selection criteria for the reason that there is some, um, there's there's a lot of variation across production ratios. First of all, you've got to understand that they, how they're calculated and what goes into calculating. So starting back at what a production ratio is, is it is basically taking a contemporary group of animals. So for example, let's say the male calf crop out of your herd and it compares all those male progeny who were raised out of the same genetics, same environment, and the same management. So it is comparing them down to a T, what we expect, that genetics by environment by management, and putting them all on the same scale and ranking them on a 100% basis. So for example, 100 would be average. That is the average performance of the male progeny out of your calf crop. Now, if you have a bull or a steer that performs at 104%, he has now performed 4% over the average of that contemporary group. Now, this can change from the standpoint of, okay, so say we want to block that contemporary group by birth date. So now you're blocking them in 30-day increments of the male's male progeny in your herd that year. So from February 1st to March 1st, we have group A, and they are they get to be compared to each other within one group. That is a different set of production. That's a different production ratio compared to the second 30-day increment in your calving window. So now these are all being compared on the same basis and then so on and so forth. And so you have to understand when you're looking at those production ratios within a herd, how are those animals being compared? What are they being compared to? What goes into that herd manager's formulation of a production ratio? Again, I think that it's a really good opportunity that if you are sitting somewhere and you're picking between two animals, you can see how they performed in that environment. And I think that there's a really good opportunity to apply that when selecting on that basis. I'm not saying it's a primary selection tool, but again, as long as you understand what goes into that, how they're calculated, what the contemporary group is, there's a really good opportunity to use that and apply that as you select some genetic opportunities. And I think the bottom line is we talk about single trade EPDs, EPD indexes, looking at production ratios, it's fundamentally understanding how are each of these calculated? What's the numbers that go into those? But I think also then how do we think about applying these in our herd, understanding as you started out our conversation with what's our breeding objectives? Where are we at right now? Where do we want to go and what's the target or the optimum we're shooting at? 
Yes. And, and to, to tell somebody how to start right here, right now, you know, you've done a good job. You feel like you were comfortable, but you truly want to narrow down and start to manage those selections as we move forward. The best thing I can offer that you can do right here, right now, as you select genetics going forward, if you have the opportunity to see any of these, these different selection opportunities between indexes, single trait EPDs or production ratios, print them off. Or, or maybe you've got a book with them in it and you can just circle it and throw it up on the shelf. And so that way, next year when you come back to it, it's it's not the guessing game. You know what you selected last year. You know what that animal was. And here's what we want to be able to improve upon, keep the same, or, or, or maybe there's something that we need to pick lesser of as we move forward in our herd. That's what you can do right here, right now, understanding how, like you said, how they're calculated and, and primarily what your breeding objectives are. I think that there's a great opportunity to apply all three of these. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, you can find additional resources on this topic.